morning. <laughs> Thank you for Julie for stepping into the the, the uh, pro presenter clicky thing. And anyway, it's all good. It's all good. So thanks for being with us, you guys. Um, so we're continuing on here. Uh, this is whole series on it's called Stand, and um, because you get the whole idea in Ephesians 6 where we're told to stand firm and withstand the schemes of the devil and stand, stand, kind of like stand your ground, right? Don't give the devil a foothold. And so um, that's what we're talking about today. But before we get in there, I just want to mention to you, if you want to follow along in the notes and you have a device, uh, you can go to our website, click on sermon notes, it'll open up. If you have the version app installed, it'll open it up into that. You'll see the notes. You'll see the scripture verses referenced there and so on, if you want. Also within that is a link to our announcements. You want to find out what's happening at Darby Creek. If, you're, if you don't uh, kind of subscribe to our email announcements, then you can kind of see it all in one place there rather than it kind of getting the, the different emails. So that's available. Um, you know, we need to pray. We need to pray for people in our church that are battling sickness, uh, we're discouraged, um, and we just need to pray for our nation, okay? Let's do that, okay? Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning uh, just fully aware that uh, what you say is true, that we are in a spiritual battle. And so, Heavenly Father, we, we ask and pray, and we lift up our brothers and sisters, our family members, our loved ones who are sick, who are battling disease. We pray for healing for them. We ask and pray that your Holy Spirit would just touch their bodies, restore them to health, Lord. We know that you're able. We know that you're the God who heals and that if it's within your will, Lord, you, you will do so. And Lord, we trust you with the outcome, but we come to you asking for them on their behalf, Lord. We also just pray for those who are struggling, struggling maybe to follow Jesus, struggling to believe the truth, who are battling doubts uh, about the truth of their faith. Lord, I just pray that you would push back the enemy from influencing their thoughts and let the truth reign in their mind and in their hearts. And so, Lord, we also just ask, Lord, even for this time right now, Lord, help us to be focused on you. Help us to hear your voice coming through to us via the word of God and your Holy Spirit. Lord, I pray for, just pray that you'd help me. Help me, Lord, to say only the truth and nothing but the truth today. Lord, um, need your help. And so, Lord, we ask it all in Jesus' name, amen. All right, listen, um, we've kind of been getting back into that habit of standing for the reading of the Word of God. So if you are able to, and it's, it's okay if you're not able to right now, but stand as I read through this passage here, and how about let's read it together, all right? In unison, just say the words together here. And so I've got it up here, Ephesians 6, 10 to 20. So let's just read it together here, ready? Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. Stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and as for shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. 
Oops, hang on. Sorry. <laughs> in all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints and also for me that words may be given to me in the opening of my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. This is the word of God. Please have a seat. There's so much in this passage. Um, I showed somebody, when we had the online prayer meeting, I was showing the, the people that were in the meeting this really thick book I have that a Puritan by the name of William Grinnell wrote back in the 1600s, 1670-something on the armor of God. It's called The Christian in Complete Armor. 600 pages on these 10 verses. Aren't you glad he's not preaching today, Michael? But it's just, the thing I get out of that is that, um, is that there's just so much to learn about this area. And it also just tells us how much imp- the importance of it is to us, all right? Um, so my wife and I, at some point during the year, we bought uh, an Apple device, okay? We have several of them, you know, like a phone, computer, and so on. But when you do that, here within the last year, you get a free subscription for a year to Apple TV+. Plus. Um, and I don't know if you've seen this advertised on television, but there's a movie that they put out that they produced called Greyhound. Anybody seen that? Advertised? It's a Tom Hanks movie. It's just made for Apple made by Apple. It was a movie made by them. And it's about, um, it's fictitious, so it's kind of like historical fiction, but it's about um, a battle in the Atlantic that uh, the, U- the American ships uh, were escorting all kinds of merchant ships over to England to try to equip the soldiers for the war. And so Tom Hanks was the captain of one of these ships that was protecting this whole convoy of ships. And so his ship was called the Greyhound. That was its nickname. And then, but they ran into, I think it was six U-boats, subs, uh, German subs that attacked this entire convoy over the course of a couple of days. Uh, I'm not going to spill the whole beans on all this thing if you decide to ever watch it. But the thing that, that really caught my attention, and Linda actually brought it to my attention after the fact, was that, so the enemy uh, in that particular movie, the, you know, the guys in the U-boats, um, they found a way, you know, found the frequency of the boats. And so they were starting to broadcast, you know, propaganda or trying to get them to doubt, say, hey, you know, when Stark comes, you know, you guys are dead in the water like the guys we just blew out of the water a few minutes ago. And of course, they cut off the transmission once they figured out that, you know, the Americans did once they figured out what was going on. But that happened several times, that the enemy, just speaking lies, right? And this is what we face uh, in a spiritual realm, is the enemy just loves to tell us lies. He loves to send us false teachers um, masquerading as angels of light, and that's his M.O. So we have to remember this that uh, as we get into this very first part of the armor, which is called the belt of truth. And so the, the, the verses we're going to focus in on are Ephesians 6, 13, and really the first part of 14. 
which just to remind you, verse 13 says, therefore take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm, stand therefore having fastened on the belt of truth, okay? And so we have this belt of truth. Now, it's probably, it's very, it's very likely that Paul has in mind here when he's talking about this armor, a Roman soldier, because he would have been chained to one. He wrote this letter from like under house arrest, okay? It's one of what we call the prison letters that Paul wrote from prison. I mean, if there's one great thing that came from Paul being in prison was much of the New Testament was written from there, right? And uh, so, it, it, so as we, we see this imagery that Paul uses here of the armor, I can't imagine that he, he just... He, wasn't, he, was, he was definitely thinking, I think, of a Roman soldier. And so when you think of the belt of truth, what is he talking about? Fastening the belt of truth. Well, now some of you, if you, if you use or have used um, or look up in the King James Bible, talks about girding your loins with truth, all right? And that's not a language we use today, this idea of girding your loins. But basically, if you stick with that imagery of a Roman soldier, right, the Roman soldiers would, you know, the garb back then was they would wear these longer robes and have tunics and so on. And so, you know, imagine, ladies, if you were, you know, kind of doing some ninja warrior stuff in a dress. It's just kind of kind of get in the way, right? And so what they would do is they would gather up their garment and tuck it into their belt and, that, and therefore be ready. It was as the concept of readiness that Paul's getting at here. When he says, gird your loins, he's like, be ready. Be ready like the Roman soldier for battle. Gather this up so that you will not be hindered and be ready. Okay. Now, it's interesting to note, uh, and I'll take you one place in the Old Testament and one place in the New Testament where that same kind of wording is used, this idea of girding the loins or getting ready. And one of them here, let me get to that first point so you can see these references here. So basically, first point here, if you're going to be able to stand like this verse tells us to and not give the enemy any ground in your life, you must be prepared. And that's the girding of the loins. And that's the idea of fastening, fastening in the belt, get ready, right? Um, Well, so in the Old Testament, if you look in Exodus chapter 12, so uh, I don't have the verse up here. So let's go back there and take a look. Exodus chapter 12 and verses 7 to 11. Uh, If you look at the heading, at least in my Bible, the very top of, right at the beginning of chapter 12, the heading in my Bible uh, is the Passover. Okay, this is the Passover. This is, you know, before all of this, God's preparing to deliver his people and to free them after all these years, hundreds of years enslaved to the Egyptians, right? Right? And so um, the night this is going to happen, uh, God gives Moses instructions. So Moses is going to tell the people what they need to do to be ready, all right? And so what they're to do is they're supposed to get an unblemished lamb, right, and kill it. And then he gives some instructions here in verse 7, Exodus 12, 7. It says, then they shall take some of the blood, again, the blood of this lamb, and put it on the two doorposts and the lintel of the houses in which they eat. So they're supposed to almost kind of like paint the blood around the doorposts of your house. 
Well, why would they do that? So that the angel of death would pass over their house. This idea of passing over. He will pass by and no one will be killed in that house, right? And so uh, then in verse 8, it says, They shall eat the flesh that night, roasting, roasted on the fire with unleavened bread and bitter herbs. They shall eat it. Um, by the way, the unleavened bread here also, just the idea that they're not going to take time to let anything rise. We ain't got time for all that. We've got to be ready, okay? That's what this is about. So he says, um, and uh, see here, verse 9, do not eat any of it raw, speaking of the meat, or boiled in water, but roasted, its head with its legs and its inner parts. Verse 10, and you shall let none of it remain until the morning. Anything that remains until the morning you shall burn. Now, here's where I'm getting at. Verse 11, in this manner you shall eat it with your belt fastened, your sandals on your feet, and your staff in your hand, all right? And he says, and you shall eat it in haste. All this is like, you got to be ready because once this goes down, we're getting out of here, all right? Again, just emphasizing the fact that when he says, gird your loins back here, same as it is in Ephesians 6, you better be ready. It's about preparation. So this fastening on the belt of truth is about being prepared, all right? And uh, just want to give you a reference in the New Testament that, that also reinforces this. 1 Peter 1.3. 1 Peter 1.3. So let me get there real quick. Or 1.13. Sorry, 1 Peter 1.13. says, therefore, listen to the word the ESV uses, preparing your minds for action. Or other translations say, girding your minds for action. It's this idea of preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded He says, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you in the revelation of Jesus Christ. He's writing to persecuted Christians. He's saying, don't set your hope on this life. Set your hope on what's to come because we got no control of what's happening here. At least the Lord does, but not you. You don't know what's going to happen. You don't know who's going to come down on you. You don't know who's going to persecute you. You don't know if you'll be a martyr, whatever. And so he's saying, don't put your hope on that. Prepare your minds for action, right? This is what he's saying. So um, I was thinking back, maybe it's just because I like to live in the glory days. Sometimes, you know, because my body, just my mind's still there. Okay, my mind, I can do anything back like when I was a teenager in my 20s, but, but my body says otherwise, right? But I think back to when I played baseball, and sometimes they put me in the hot box at third base, and, and if you know anything about baseball, this is not the ready stance. <laughs> if I'm standing down third base like this, uh, well, several bad things could happen, okay? Uh, you know, but anyway, this is ready, like this, square up with the batter, watching. And then, you know what? It's not just being in the right stance. It's knowing what I'm going to do if the ball's hit to me. Probably one of my favorite things about our practices in baseball in high school, my coach was so well organized. We had stations and so on. But then, usually in the spring, when it was too cold to go outside and practice, we would set up in the gymnasium in the high school and set up uh, with a wiffle ball and bat and have these little, you know, rubber bases around there in a shortened field. He'd have the starting nine out there, and he'd say, okay, you got two men on base. Ball hit the third. Berla, what are you going to do? Okay, let's say they were on first and third. 
we called that situations. We oh, we we went through situations till you're just going to vomit. I mean, because it had to become second nature. In other words, I had that so drilled into my head that when that batter came up, I knew how many outs there was. Of course, everybody was reminding everybody how many outs there are. Okay, and then. I was thinking if the ball is hit to me or if it's hit to this side of me or if it's hit to this side of me, I had to know exactly what to do. Uh, Otherwise, my butt was going to be warming up the pine, as they say, okay? I would not be playing, okay? And so all of that to say, that's about preparation. We need to be prepared much more than that, okay? It's fun to play ball and you got to be prepared if you want to be competitive, but we're talking about spiritual battle. And this fastening on of the belt of truth is going to be how we're going to be prepared, okay? This is like the foundation. Um, you got to get out of your mind any image of some Texan big belt buckle, okay? Okay, yeah, this comes to my mind when I think of like the, the belt. You ever see those people, or those guys on WW, whatever it is, you know? <laughs> WWF, they're not, WWE now, yeah, see, they're even up to another letter or something, uh, it's not the big belt buckle that these guys are talking about. The, the belt here is more like a girdle, okay? Like a leather apron almost that you would put on as a Roman soldier and attach all the other stuff. It was central to all the other stuff. And so that tells me in using this wording, he's saying this is foundational. This stuff about the belt of truth is foundational for all the other pieces of armor. Okay? So we're laying the foundations here uh, for the armor and this uh, fastening on the belt of truth. Okay? So just realize there's a big emphasis here in this passage on preparation. Are you ready? Get ready. And the only way you know you're going to be ready is if you're fastening on the belt of truth. So the question is, what is that? Right? What is that? Um, And so... Well, a couple of things here. By the way, uh, when I read this and started studying it, a couple of things um, would come to my mind in, uh, ab- about this topic here. See if I can find my verse here. Oh, how about let's use the Bible? Yeah, great idea. Uh, <laughs> it's, first, it's either 1 Timothy or 2 Timothy 4.16. Let me get there real quick. I'll look it up. Uh, 1 Timothy 4.16, when I thought about this idea of truth, and what is this truth that he's speaking of? Is it like, you know, found like um, objective truth, like, you know, scripture, uh, doctrine, or is it some kind of other aspect of truth in my life? And the more I studied it, the more I wondered if it's both. If there's a, there's, the context really, I don't think, gives us a lot of hint as to whether it's the objective sound doctrine truth or whether it's truth being lived out in my life, a, a truthfulness to my life. Um, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kind of look at both things, but here's why I went to, to uh, 1 Timothy 4.16, because it hits on both of these things. All right, so 1 Timothy 4.16, Paul tells young Timothy, a young pastor, he says, keep a close watch on yourself and on the teaching. 
persist in this, for by so doing, you will save both yourselves and your hearers. So other translations say, watch your life and your doctrine. Watch your life and your doctrine. And I think this is a message for any one of us Christ followers. It's not just for the pastor here that was, he was writing to. Watch your doctrine. Uh, understand. Be solid on the foundations of your faith. But also make sure that your life is being lived in alignment with what you say you believe, okay? Let there not be a disconnect, all right? So we're going to look at those two aspects. When we talk about fastening on the belt of truth, we're going to talk about those two. So the first one here, fastening the belt of truth. Make sure you have a solid doctrinal foundation. Make sure you have a solid doctrinal foundation. And so... As we uh, take a look at this, let me uh, get this verse to you here. First John 2.14. I just want to tell you, show you the importance of really being solid in the Word of God, okay? First John 2.14. He says, I write to you fathers because you know him who is from the beginning. And then he says, I write to you young men because you are strong and the Word of God abides in you. Well, on what basis is he saying they're strong? Because of the word of God abides in them. You see? You see the linkage? If we want to be strong, spiritually speaking, we need to make sure the word of God abides in us, okay? Um, And you say, okay, pastor, you're going to talk about quiet times again? Can't we ever get past that? You know, um, not exactly. Well, let me just say this. If Vince Lombardi can stand back and talk to his 38 guys and say, this is a football, yeah. Amen. Right? He said, this is a football. And you're like, yeah, right, coach. Okay. He was taking it back to the basics. And so he's saying, you got to be solid on your doctrine. What do we mean by doctrine? Well, just the truth of the scripture. What, what, is, what does the Bible say about God? What is the nature of God? What is the nature of man? What, is, uh, what, is, uh, what does he have to say about marriage? What does he say about this? I mean, solid on the doctrine. Okay. Uh, we're not talking about things that the church makes up. We're talking about what is written, okay? That's, that's what I'm talking about when I talk about sound doctrine. And so we need to make sure we're solid on that, okay? Now, when somebody mentions to you, hey, you need to be, you need to be a student of theology. Some people just, they just, they just like check out mentally. They're just like, oh, that's just not very sexy, you know, spiritually speaking, you know, study theology. Um, well, I get that, but you know what? Your spiritual well-being depends on your solid theology, okay? The study of God, that's what it means, okay? Theology, study of God, okay? And so we need to make sure that we have a good foundation here in this area, okay? Now, um, I wanted to share with you something I found that I thought was good um, in terms of how can you grow in your understanding of sound doctrine. And I'm going to get, I just found this on the ninemarks.org website. Nine Marks is a ministry. Um, You know, I mean, it is what it is. I I found some solid things there that I agreed with. But I just thought they had some good points, just for application, of how to make sure that we grow in our understanding of sound doctrine. Because it does nothing for you if I sit up here and say, you need to do that. But don't give you any idea on how to, Okay 
or some ideas on ways that you can grow. I wasn't pointing at you, by the way. <laughs> Just happened to be in the line of the camera. No. Um, so anyway, think, think about this. They have some really good ideas. One is, now you're going to say, well, that's because you're the preacher. You're giving me the first point. The first point is, give heed to the preached word. <laughs> that was the first point, which means get into a Bible church and hear some good Bible teaching. So, I, I, you know, I don't know. I mean, I, obviously I know here our focus is always on the word of God, right? It's not on Pastor Greg's, you know, quote, great ideas because there wouldn't be many if there were. And, or anything like that. We're supposed to preach the Word of God, and we want to grow in our understanding of it so we can live it out, okay? We can live it out. And so, you know, um, and that's important, though, is, is, is that needs to be an important aspect of your life as a Christian. I can't tell you how many teachings I heard <clears throat> growing up on campus as a, as a student. I heard so many Bible teachings. It was just so great. I, I, in my, and back then, my, my faith was so new, it was like it was like um, it was like a buffet. Okay, it's all about the food, right? And I was like, I couldn't get enough. You just keep giving me teachings, man. I'll just keep writing it down in my notebook. I just take notes furiously, right? Because I just wanted to learn. And uh, you know, and I just and 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 uh, granted, I say it's not always that way with me, but I I can, I, I do see myself as a continual learner. I'm never going to arrive. As a Christian, I need to continue to grow in my faith and in my understanding, okay? And in my understanding. And so, so just so you know, that's one of the, in order to be, you know, grow in your solid understanding of sound doctrine is, if you stick around here long enough, you're going to get a theology. You're going you're gonna, to you're gonna get an understanding of God and God's will for your life. Because as we go through book after book after book of the Bible, it starts coming together, Okay? All right, now, second thing, study the scriptures dip, Study the scriptures diligently on your own, okay? Get into the Word of God. Be like it says in the book of Acts, the Bereans, who took the things that Paul taught and went back to the scriptures to see if what he was saying lined up, okay? So many people don't do that. So many people just swallow it and, hey, if it's online, it must be true, you know? Uh, you just can't do that. You got to take it back to the standard. And if you don't know what the standard is, you're going you're gonna to swallow all kinds of false teaching and get hoodwinked and sucked in to who knows what false teaching, okay? So, so it's important that you study the scriptures. And just a little, a little thing um, that I mentioned here a couple weeks ago about Chip Ingram. I've told some of you guys that I mentioned about Chip Ingram's thing. In the small group I did? Okay, yeah. So I would just encourage you. If, you. if you don't know or you're not sure or you'd like to grow in your understanding of how to just personally interact with God in the Scriptures, I would highly recommend to you a free thing online. I get nothing out of this. You know, Chip Ingram doesn't give me any kickbacks. I mean, he doesn't even know who I am. But this study, if you go to, to uh, livingontheedge.org, uh, Chip Ingram's uh, ministry, and you click on at home, at home. Once the coronavirus hit, he started putting out uh, a couple series of three weeks of uh, series. The first one is digging, I think, growing in, digging deeper in your relationship with God or something like that. It's three weeks. 
of, it's almost like Chip sitting down there, and as you go through the book of Philippians together, he's giving you little hints and ideas on how to interact with the scripture. And, and you know, uh, it's just his way, but I kind of liken it to like riding a bike. There's all kinds of ways to ride a bike, you know, but I wouldn't teach my kid how to ride a bike by starting off with wheelies, you know? No, wouldn't do that. Got it, just a basic riding the bike. And Chip does that. He really just helps you, uh, and it's not just and not it's not the tech, it's not just the technical pulling apart the scriptures and looking for different keywords. It's more than that. He's focusing on the relationship. Okay. So when I when we talk about how to grow in sound doctrine, you need to know how to study the scriptures diligently. Okay. And if you don't know how to do that, then you can't. <laughs> and uh, since I can't sit down here with everybody and tell you how I do it, I think that's a free thing that you can just use and just go for it. I went through it myself, and I've been, I've been following God since 1982, and I picked up some really cool things I thought that God really used in my life. Plus, I got to study the book of Philippians again, which is always a blessing, always a blessing just to get into the Word. So just encourage you that. That's, that's where you can grow, because as you study the scriptures, you'll grow in your understanding of sound doctrine. Now, I would also say, um, discuss the, the other thing that the Nine Marks website talks about growing in sound doctrine is discuss the Bible with mentors and friends. Interact with other people who are believers about the Bible because there's safety in that. Because maybe you have an idea that doesn't really line up with the rest of scripture about the passage you're on. And maybe you've got another believer who's just a little bit further ahead of you or something, or even a peer, and they say, you know, what you're saying here, I understand what you're saying, but I wonder if that's not how we should interpret this passage because it doesn't line up with what it says over here in the Bible, right? You don't know that if you're doing it on your own, okay? So there's on your own in your time with God, but also I think it's healthy in your walk to interact over the scriptures. By the way, be wary of the group that just simply says, well, what does it mean to you, Brother Ed or Sister Cindy? What does that mean to you? Okay, now we've got to define our terms because they might mean by that, how do you apply that to your life? And if that's what it means, I can get that. But if what they mean is you can interpret it however you want, doesn't matter. It just comes out of you and you give it meaning and that's bull crap. Okay, I'm sorry. I don't usually say that word. But when it comes to the Word of God and people start doing that, no, you don't do that. It doesn't mean anything you want it to mean. It's, you know, and you're going to run across, if you haven't, guys, if you're in college somewhere, you're going to run across somebody that's going to tell you when you read a book, it can mean anything you want it to mean, like literature. And that's just, oh, I never read a person that wrote a book that didn't have a purpose in mind. I'm sorry, okay? I had a, I had a discussion with a literature teacher in high school with one of my kids, when one of my kids were in their class. I said, really? In a nice way. I just like, you know, nobody reads stuff that way. Okay? And we don't read the Bible that way. God wrote us a book. He knows how we understand things. He knows sentences go together, words to go together, to have a purpose and a focus and a meaning. And there's one meaning. For every text of Scripture, now the hard part is figuring out what that is. Some things are easy to understand, right? 
Some things are more difficult. That's why we have some differences of interpretation on different things. But don't you think this line of text you're reading in the Bible means anything you want it to mean? Do not think that, okay? And you can guard against that when you're studying in a group of believers, okay? Man, I'm going long here. I can feel it already. Okay, do evangelism. Why would they say, why would doing evangelism help you grow in sound doctrine? Anybody have an idea? Why would sharing your faith help you grow in sound doctrine? Anybody? Yeah, you're sharing your faith. It reinforces your faith. That's definitely good. What else? Yeah, you got to know what you believe. And by the way, they're going to ask questions you won't know the answers to. So by the way, you can't let that stop you. Because if we all... If we all didn't share until we knew everything about every question, we'd never share because there's always going to be a question we don't know the answer to. But when you do get a question and you're sharing your faith, uh, then you just, you don't know the answer. You say, you know what? That's a great question. Let me look into that and I'll get back to you. That's honesty, okay? (laughs) I learned, uh, and I think I've said this here before, but I learned like in the math classroom, don't try to fake it, man. If you don't know, if you're lost, I've gotten lost in front of the class before. I mean, you know, my, my, it's probably my, the synapses are not firing as fast as they used to, all right? And I'll be like, Dag, where was I? What was I doing? I don't know the answer to that problem. You know, I would be like that. And I'm like, I'll be turning around and rather than saying, like, I'm faking it, I'd say, you know what? I am totally lost. Anybody have an idea here? And one of the students for sure, you know, would, would get me on track. But, you know, you don't fake it you don't try to fake it with somebody. They can sniff that out when you're talking about your fake. To say you don't know, you'll get back to them. That's real. I'd respect that if you did that with me, okay? So sharing your faith helps you grow in sound doctrine, okay? All right. You know what's even better is teaching someone else the foundations of the faith, Okay? And that's biblical, man. You know, that's what discipleship is, right? Thomas is, if Thomas gets saved or whatever, he is, okay. But I'm saying fictitious, he can say, and then he shares his faith with me and I can say, well, he can help me learn what he knows from the scriptures, right? And so on and so on and so on, right? That's multiplication. That's discipleship, right? And I, I mean, the first time, I taught calculus. I was freaking out, okay, because I hadn't had calculus in 20 years. So I set in on somebody's class the semester before, and you know what? Okay, so just, just to be, my mind went, <clears throat> I was sitting in the class. This guy probably thought I got saved or something, you know, <laughs> even if they would know what that meant. But I was like, I get it. It all comes together in calculus, right? So all the algebra, all the trigonometry, I was like, you know, I was like born, born again mathematically, you know? <laughs> and so, so but, but this whole thing of when I had to teach it, when I had to teach it, man, did I learn it. And when you have to teach someone else in the faith, so you, know, you don't have to be, don't have to be like, I am the teacher, you're the student. No, let's learn together, okay? And as you sit down, and you prepare for getting together with someone that you're trying to help grow, you grow yourself because you have to be able to explain it in a way that's understandable, that has meaning, that answers questions. You really get solid in your doctrine doing that, okay? All right, spent a lot of time on that. 
But that's really important. Sound doctrine, okay? The other one I didn't mention here, I'll just throw it out, that they mention is good books. I say that one for last because I think that we tend to go to the books first. And I would caution you against that, okay? Stop feeding yourself constantly with people that, that, that they are telling you their thoughts about God. Don't let that be your primary intake. Let that be like second, third down the line, okay? Because you know what? You've you got to be careful because you'll start swallowing stuff that doesn't line up, but, you, but maybe you're not mature enough to, to figure it out. Make sure that this here, the Bible, and what we were just talking about, studying, learning how to interact with the Scriptures, interacting with others, that is your bread and butter. And then you want to add on books, fine. But I would look for books that you recommend for people you respect. You respect, you feel like they've got a spiritual maturity because just because they sell it on lifeway.com doesn't mean it's good for you. I can guarantee that, okay? Guarantee, all right? Um, so just saying, be careful with that. But it is a good, it is a good um, source, can be a good source of, of uh, you know, second or third level of growing, you know? In fact, I was, I was sharing, um, well, never mind, I'm gonna, that'll be a rabbit trail. Um, so let's keep going here. So fasting and belt of truth, right? We're talking about how to do that. Make sure you're solid, on, have a solid doctrinal foundation. I've given you some ideas. Nine Marks had some ideas. What are you going to do with it? What are you going to do with it? Pick one of those things. Focus in on it. Are you going to get the Chip Ingram thing to learn a little bit more how to spend time with God intentionally, how to study the scriptures? You're going to make sure you get involved in a group where you're interacting. Um, you know, our groups are still meeting, right? Uh, a lot of them online, right? Uh, like our, our small group that meets uh, every couple of Tuesdays. We're going through Psalm 119. I've never studied Psalm 119. Psalm 119, longest uh, chapter in the Psalms, breaking it down, stanza by stanza, doing this video study. Matt Chandler gives us a 10-minute in his little Texan accent, a uh, 10-minute little, 10, 15-minute little teaching, and then we interact on it, okay? That's what we're talking about. So find something there in that list I gave you. Take action, okay, so that you can grow, um, grow in, in developing a solid doctrinal foundation. The other part of fasting, the belt of truth, is the following. Living a truthful life. Living a truthful life. Now, what do we mean by that? All right, well, what we mean by that is this is another way of putting, putting it like this would be being authentic, having a sincere faith, having a sincere faith. You know, my faith was not sincere until I personally put my faith in Christ in 1982. I, I believed a lot of the right information my mom did a great job of laying a solid foundation. We played some Bible games growing up. Uh, she took me to church, took me to VBS, all of that. Lots of good information, laid the foundation, encouraged me to go to the youth group there uh, when I was in middle school. And so, but you know what? It wasn't my faith yet at that time. It, it was not my faith. I had not owned it yet myself. And so, uh, and so this is really for everyone. But I would say also, if you're a student, you need to be thinking about 
Do you own your faith or is it still your parents' faith if they're Christians? Okay? Because at some point, you've got to own it. It has to be yours. So we're getting asked this idea of a sincere faith, um, an authentic faith. You're not just emulating or imitating. You're actually believing and owning. Okay? Does that make sense? And every person that becomes a believer actually comes to that point where they say, you know what? It's not just what they said. I believe it for what it is, the truth. I think about that. Do uh, you remember when we, uh, some of us watched uh, that Chosen episode back there on uh, Good Friday, right? And it was the encounter. Wasn't it the encounter with the woman at the well, right? That there towards the end of the episode. And, uh, you know, it's interesting that in the scriptures around that uh, ep- around the episode, <laughs> the scriptures that describe that situation, right? Um, it's the the woman at the well when when Jesus tells her everything about it, she goes and tells everybody, right? But then they have a personal encounter with Jesus, and they say, "We no longer believe because you told us, woman. We believe because He told. So we believe Him." And I think that's what you need to see is. Jesus Christ, for him to be your savior, it just needs to be that. Can't be your, just your parent's savior, your aunt's savior, your grandma's savior, which is great. And it is a blessing to grow up in an environment where you had good biblical foundations laid. But it has to be yours. Do you believe? Sincere faith. So, so that's one aspect of a sincere faith. But just think about this. Does what I am learning in sound doctrine, is it, in, is it affecting how I'm living my life? Or is my life divided? Let's take a look at some of these scriptures here. Psalm 51, 6 says, Behold, you delight in truth in the inward being. In other words, not just truth that's coming out of my mouth. Oh, I can quote Bible verses. Oh, I know all the popular worship songs. You know, I can sing them like that, you know, whatever. Okay, you may know all that stuff. But is it in your inward being? Do you not only believe it, but is it, a, is it forming your life? Is it changing your life? Is, is, are the areas of your life coming into alignment with the truth? In Psalm 86, 11, it says, Teach me your way, O Lord, that I may walk in your truth. Now listen, unite my heart to fear your name. Well, if he's, if he's praying, unite my heart, it must be divided, Walter, don't you think? I mean, why would he say that? Why would he say, unite my heart if it's not united? So what is a divided heart? It's a heart that's not incorporating the truth into all areas of life. It's like, oh, I've got my, I put my Jesus face on Sunday, or maybe when I'm with those church people, you know, uh, but not when I want those other people. I ain't got my Jesus face on then. When it's all one, that's what we call integrity. It's integrated. Your Christianity, is it integrated into your life? Or is it segmented out? If it's segmented out, your heart is not united. It's divided. And my friend, that won't stand very long. Trust me. It won't. I've done that before. It doesn't work out well. All right? Um, I got this secondhand, but I'll, I'll just say it anyway, because I don't have a primary source. 
Warren Rearsby, Bible teacher from years gone by, was said to have said something like this. Christians are told in the Bible to build their house on the rock. But so many Christians today are building duplexes. One half on the rock, one half on the sand of the world. It's not going to last. It will not stand the test of time or trials or whatever's going to come your way. What we're talking about here is allowing God to have access to every area of your life. Fastening on the belt of truth, one aspect of it is not just the solid doctrine and knowing that information and believing it, but it's allowing it to affect your finances, affect your marriage, affect your thought life, affect your sexuality, affect whatever. He says, unite my heart to fear your name. Fake it till you make it, Christianity will not last. Do you hear me? Pressure is more now for you to cave on your beliefs in our society than any other time. I'm not, I'm not just stirring up fear. That is real, Okay. You will have to, at some point, probably stand alone in a conversation, in a room, and somebody is going to say, you don't believe that, do you, Walter? Well, yes, I do. You know, whatever. I mean, I'm just, I'm just saying, you know, it's not popular to believe what the Bible teaches on certain things, but it doesn't make it any less true. And so, again, I'm just kind of saying this, you know, um, and by the way, in high school, I was, whoa, this thing is going wild here. <laughs> what is, there's always something with my stand. Take a stand. Yeah. That's it. In high school, I was like, um, well, I was, I definitely, I mean, looking back, um, I, I mean, you kind of analyze your life a little bit. You look back and say, you know what? I was like a chameleon, man. If I was with you, I don't want you to hate me, so I'm going to be like you. I think you want me to be, right? Or if I'm with you and you're another way, you know, you like to go out drinking. Oh, I guess what? Now I like to go out drinking, you know? That's the way I was because I wanted people to like me. Nobody likes to not be liked, typically. You know, there are some people I think that might be like that. But anyway, um, you know, just, just the idea. But, but now, if the truth, if the sound doctrine is going to go from here down into my life and then my heart, it, it's going to have to come into every area. And that's what this whole idea of uniting our hearts is about. When the psalmist prays that, unite my heart to fear your name. You got to fear God more than you fear man. People don't like to talk about fearing God, but let me tell you what, when you stand before him, that'll be like the one word you'll be thinking of. God is not your buddy. He loves you. He has a relationship with you. Okay, you know, I, but I think we go so far over there, we, we don't, we've kind of done away with the fear of the Lord. Unite my heart to fear your name. God, I want my life to be whole. 
I don't want it to be segmented. I want to be this way, one way with these people, and this way. I want to be the way you want me to be all the time. And we know what? We're going to mess up. I want you to hear this. You are going to screw up. And sometimes you're going to screw up royal. I mean, meaning there might be life, there might be implications on your health, whatever. But if you know the Lord, we'll be waiting for you to come home. Okay, I want you to know that. But the key is, you still need to repent. Okay, I got caught in sin my first summer real bad that I was saved. I was isolated. I was home all by myself. And man, I started slipping into some old patterns. It was real bad for my life. It was real bad. And I, it was real critical, real critical point in my, my life. But, but the person that was discipling said, I believe, just the right things to me that made me realize that, yeah, it wasn't right what I was doing, but it was okay to confess that I was having trouble and that he wasn't going to, like, kick me to the curb and say, whoa, man, what kind of person are you? <laughs> Get out of here. Okay. See, that's the devil talking. The devil does not want you to confess your struggles, okay? He does not want you to, you know, to be honest about your struggles or maybe your doubts about your faith. Get the doubts out there. Start talking about them and get sound doctrine foundation in your life. The Lord wants you to do that. He wants you to know His grace is there for you. So, fasting the belt of truth. You know, Matthew 6, 24, this just kind of goes with that whole idea of a whole heart, right? Matthew 6, 24 says, Jesus says, no one can serve two masters for either he will hate the one and love the other or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. He's talking about in that context, but God and whatever. And this is the idea of, of that whole idea of not having a divided heart, but that my whole heart, every area of my life coming under the lordship of Jesus Christ, letting him in, there's no secret room or closet in my life that I'm not opening the door and saying, Jesus, have your way. I, I will find, and this is just experiential, this is not, I have no scripture for this, but I will find that the Lord's very kind in that he typically doesn't deal with all these things all at once. And I think, praise God, he did it within my life. Okay. Um, but he, he will be faithful if you guard your heart. And I want to just end with this. I know, I'm, I know I'm over time here a little bit, but let me just say this. One of the key things for you and I to maintaining a united heart or to pursuing a united heart, because we never really totally arrive, I would suppose, is that we need to have people in our lives who would be willing to say our lives are out of alignment with the truth of God. You need to have people like that. I, I truly, and again, I keep going back to the college thing. I don't know why, but I, I think about it. The only way to stay Christian and be in college, I think, is to, to have people in your life that are going to be there to help you follow Jesus in a brand new environment that you've never lived before. By the way, Christian college is no exception. Okay, there's as much, in some ways, bad stuff going on in Christian college as secular colleges. I know, I've talked to people, okay? So you're not immune, right? So 
But, but as believers, just in general, I'm not talking about students now, just as we need to have people in our Do you have somebody in your life who will call you out in a loving way if they see you veering and swerving in your faith? You need that. You need that. You, you have to have that. That's protection. All right? All right, we need to land the plane here, so let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much that we have your word. I'm I'm thankful for your word. I'm thankful that um, the psalmist is real honest about his heart. He's like, you know, I I wanna be a person of integrity, but my heart is not united. It's 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 not sincere. It's I'm faking it sometimes. Lord, help us to be real, help us to be authentic. Help us, Father, to to be more disciplined in interacting with your word, in growing in our understanding of how to spend time with you so that we can have a solid foundation so that when false teaching comes along, because the enemy just loves false teaching, we will identify it because we know the truth. Lord, help us to pursue a greater understanding of the study of God and help us, Lord, to grow in our pursuit of a united heart, living before you with integrity and living before others with integrity, being honest, asking for help. Lord, we want to be authentic Christians. We want to be Christians who are honest about their faith and open about their faith, who are not afraid to stand for their faith. Help us to fasten on that belt of truth, Lord. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.